right. Before we get rolling, here Megan has an amazing story. An encouraging word. An encouraging word to share. So if this is not amazing, <laughs> Greg <laughs> talked about it. Greg, Greg. Of course your, it's amazing. Your husband. I'm excited. <laughs> Greg thinks everything I say is amazing. No, I, I do. I have an encouraging word for you all. First, I want to share something. Um, I'm a public school teacher, and it burns me up when I hear people say prayer is not in our school. And I just want you to know that I have a group of teachers that are starting to meet for a prayer meeting on Mondays starting this coming week. As long as Christian teachers are in public schools, prayer is there. So I just wanted to say that. Yes, amen to that. And then I just wanted to share with you all, I got a text yesterday from an EA, and if you're not in the education world, that's an educational assistant. She worked with one of my eighth grade students last year and is now at the high school, and so it was kind of out of the blue. She texted me and she said, hey, did your church take breakfast to Mitchell Nielsen? And so I responded and I said, well, actually, yes, we've done that a few times. And she said, can I call you? <laughs> and I said, sure. So she calls me, and she is the sweetest, sweetest lady, but I wanted to tell you all that she was in her small group Friday night, and a teacher, and another EA at Mitchell Nielsen, um, is in her small group, and they are doing a study about Jesus. <laughs> they, were <talking> about <laughs> they were talking about how they can be the hands and feet of Jesus, and they were um, really wanting like practical things that they can do in their community right now. And this teacher brought up our church. And she brought up examples of how she has seen us working at Mitchell Nielsen. And, and uh, she specifically mentioned, apparently she's had a lot going on in her life, but she said, y'all, something as simple as bringing that breakfast was so encouraging to her. And um, I... I just was listening. Her, this lady's name is Ellen. I was listening to Ellen talk, tell me about this, and I just said, wow. I said, thank you so much for sharing this with me. I will be sure to share this with the church tomorrow. So, church, God is, God is on the move, and something as simple as breakfast. And I know, I know we want to help those kids, but it is very dark for teachers right now very dark and and we need i told my principal i said we need some prayer up in here <laughs> so i told her when i asked her if i could have this meeting but uh i just want to encourage you the stuff we're doing at mitchell nielsen it's great and it's and those teachers need encouragement just like those kids so just wanted to share that with you thank you that was amazing so hey how about that isn't that cool you just we just don't really realize that the impact that we're having. Uh, speaking of that, on October the 12th, we're going to do a prayer night over there. Um, so that's a good kind of segue to that. So that will be in one, two, three Wednesday nights from now, and we're going to do it at 5 o'clock. Sorry for those, and I really do I hate those that get off work later, but their ESP program is from 5 to 6, and then they, the Janet Territorial crew comes in, and I'm, try, we're, I'm trying not to have us be a nuisance or whatever for any of them. So anyways, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Prayer and fasting last. Yeah. Well, we're 
That's amazing. We're bringing, we're doing prayer and fasting this month of October as well. I know that we pray and fast throughout the year, but we're making a specific, dedicated space and time for us as a group of folks to pray and to fast. And uh, I won't be fasting next Sunday. I'll be on the beach. Uh, so I'm not, I'll be praying. John King will have an, he has an amazing message. I'm sure it will be. John's a, every time John speaks, he does, he's just so good. Sorry for the downgrade, y'all. F- few years later. <laughs> I'm just, I'm playing. Miss Carolyn's here. What's going on, Miss Carolyn? A lot of y'all got to meet her at the uh, ice cream churn off. Is that what we called it? Yeah, the ice cream churn off. Miss Carolyn and Miss Julie are basically the same people, aren't they? That's kind of what we've learned. They do the same kind of stuff, and we love them big time. They're, they're awesome. I met Miss Carolyn. I think I met, met, probably met you at Journey Home or something years, and years ago or out and about or something. You'll see her out. You still feeding uh, across the library? Where are you at now? Main Street. Feed seven days a week. It's awesome. So... So many opportunities for us to be able to minister to our city. If anyone doesn't know, or there, there, yeah, we have a few guests. Uh, a year ago, we as a congregation said, it's time to pray and fast and get really serious about hearing God's heart. Uh, how can we participate in what he wants to do in Murfreesboro together? A lot of us were doing things separate and all this kind of stuff. And so we spent a month praying and fasting and prayer walking the neighborhood, going through the neighborhood and praying. And uh, God highlighted Mitchell Nielsen which is what Megan was sharing. That's why I wanted to bring that up. And then he brought us Miss Julie. And there's so many opportunities that uh, we have. God said, all right, you really want to do it? Here you go. And I think we were all blown away, honestly. How many times do you, sometimes we pray for stuff and we don't, well, I hear him, what's going on? But I think it was crystal clear. And I think God crystal clearly is bringing more opportunities and will continue to bring more opportunities to us. That's exciting, isn't it? All right. Woohoo. All right, pull up my slides. I'm fired up. I mean, we're singing about Jesus being king this morning and all that. The Lord reigns. He, I mean, like, you start singing those songs, I'm about to do a lap around the sanctuary. For those who don't know, last time I attempted that, I slammed my shoulder into that pillar, and I couldn't get as far as I got. I guess you get a little older. You not, don't move quite as well as you used to, but hey, you know. So we've been starting, we started three weeks ago, kind of a little series on what does it practically look like to participate in God's mission? And as Greg mentioned last week, there's a book called Faithful Presence that we've been doing on Wednesday nights that really talks about that. Like, let's get practical. What does it look like? And so the first week we discussed, or I brought up kind of the why behind, why are we even doing all this stuff? Because if we're not careful, the shed out here, Miss Julie, Mitchell Nielsen becomes a, uh, a program that we do, and we get excited about it for a month or two, and then go, okay, that was cool. Um, the king, Jesus, John the Baptist, and I'm going to talk about this today, and Jesus told his disciples to preach a message. There was a message they said, and that was, repent, the kingdom of God has come near. And so, for me, my why is, Jesus is now reigning as king. For, I'm going to challenge us to actually believe that first, like all throughout this message. And not challenge us to not just believe this arbitrary Jesus is reigning as king, but that it actually means something for us today 
and that it actually means something for our city and that it actually means something for the broken and it means something for, oh, for everybody that wants to participate in it. Um, man, Lord, I just ask this morning that you would help us to have such a deep reality of the return of the king, of Israel's king coming and inviting us Gentiles in to be a part of it and to be part of your kingdom, God. I pray that it would be just so strong and it wouldn't be just a Sunday morning or let's get excited, This, but Lord, tomorrow and the next day and the next day that we would recognize Jesus. You died and you resurrected. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. You're reigning as king. Let us recognize there's something to that. There's something powerful to that in Jesus' name. Man, I really, I, oh, that's, ah. Because I recognize that I don't always recognize that. that. I don't always recognize it. And I'm just like, well, okay, we believe in Jesus. But recognize, no, there's something that's literally, practically breaking through. And that's his kingdom. And that we get to participate in that. His kingdom is his reign. And whenever you and I submit ourselves, see, instead of the gospel being uh, Jesus died for your sins, so that you can receive forgiveness. That's good and that's true. The lamb was slain. But sometimes when we preach that message, it's like staring at a, a, a painting like this close. And we see a part of it and it's a gorgeous, beautiful part. But we've got to take a step back and look at the whole painting. And that painting is God's, Israel's rejection of God as king, but through, in God's crazy, amazing way, but through Israel... <laughs> He would bring redemption and he would return as king. And through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, he is reigning as king. And us who choose to submit to his way participate in his kingdom, right? And so instead of it just being about Jesus died for our sins, this is what I really believe the heart of the, the gospel, the good news, is um, a pledge of allegiance. Like, a question of allegiance that we get to have and we get to offer to people as we share the as we share God's kingdom is breaking through. The question is, what will be we be aligned to? Will we be aligned to the kingdoms of this world? Will we be aligned? Will we have our allegiance to uh, riches? Will we have our allegiance to even our families over God's kingdom? Right? Jesus said his mother and brothers, they were coming. He's like, who are my mother and brothers? And like, we, that's offensive to us this day. Those who do the will of the Father. <laughs> it wasn't that he didn't care about them. Of course he cared about them. He's dying on the cross. He's taking care of his mother. But my, 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 the reality is, is when we get properly aligned, then our families will be better than ever <laughs> because we're in that alignment where numero uno, it is Jesus and his kingdom. And the reality that he's sitting on his throne means something to me. And what I choose to do is I choose to say, you know, Jesus, I don't always understand what you've, tri- what you've taught. <laughs> I can't always wrap my mind around it. Like I'm, I was reading again back through the Sermon on the Mount and saying, you know, don't get angry with a brother or sister. I'm like, that's tough sometimes, y'all. Like, let's be real. <laughs> you know, uh, he talks about that. He talks about... Uh, not retaliating, you know, I love, it's just, it's crazy. Turn the other cheek, you know, with a Roman soldier comes up to you, go an extra mile. Like what? Like, I mean, really, like, it's just, that, that's crazy stuff. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And it's a good Christian church talk. But do we actually do it out in the world, you know? 
But what, as I'm reading through, when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet. Don't let anyone know about it. Just do it. Right? When you pray, don't pray, good Lord, and like want everyone to look at you. It's not about that. But what we say whenever we, we talk about the kingdom of God coming near, and whenever we pledge our allegiance to Jesus, we say, even though I don't always understand, or even though it fights the nature that's been inside of me, I choose to believe that your rule is right, and that your rule is the best. So I submit myself to you, King Jesus, and I will go by your rule, and it has so much to do with every area of our life. I will go with your reign, and then what we get to do is we get to invite others to join in that. And as that's taking place, God's kingdom is growing and breaking through, and it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible, right? So today what we're going to talk about is that, is the, is the proclamation part. Two weeks ago, I mentioned, go to the next slide, please. I'm trying to get us to this place. Two weeks ago, next slide. Got it. There we go. Ah, I already talked about that. Next slide. You know, I just have a lot of slides there. I like pictures because it helps me remember things. That's just me. Two weeks ago, I believe, I talked about Jesus' touching of the man that had leprosy. Do you all remember that? And we were talking about how oftentimes uh, we have a disgust reflex. (laughs) And if we're not careful, what we don't realize is that, and I don't want to go into great detail, but that's why you think some food is gross. Oh, I don't like that, blah, blah, blah. But that actually goes into the way we operate socially among one another. And that if we want to see God's kingdom breaking through missionally all over our city, it's good for us to recognize that Jesus would do things like touch lepers who are gross. That's what we just said. That's what it's called. Oozing, wrapped up, bandaged, have enough compassion to not just heal him and say, be healed, but to actually touch him. Where everyone else is going, what are you doing, Jesus? Why would you? I mean, like, if, you, if we were there, what would we probably be doing that, right? Uh, <laughs> that leprosy gets on me, whoa, you know? But Jesus says, I mean, I don't, I don't want that. But Jesus goes and he touches the leper. He has compassion. And so my challenge was for us to ask ourselves what types and groups of people are, are, are we saying, no, we can't, we can't go there? Because oftentimes those are precisely been, as we talked about, when Jesus said, I came to bring good news to the poor and to, to heal the blind, to set people who are oppressed free, like this is, what, this is what he was doing. Oftentimes those are precisely people we're uncomfortable around and we, run, and we walk away from. It's why a lot of these people are marginalized, as Greg preached on last week. Amazing sermon, amazing sermon. The reason they're marginalized is because we don't want to be around. We don't want to, whenever we see people who are sick and dying or whatever, like that reminds us of our own mortality. And we're like, mm, we'll just go over here, <laughs> right? When we see people that have been struggling with different things in our li- their lives and, man, their family relationship's not great and stuff. We're like, oh, I like mine. I don't want to be reminded of that. We see people who are poor and struggling to eat. We'd rather not be reminded than to dive in to meet it face on, which is what Jesus did in the kingdom. And uh, next slide, please. The thing that stood out to me, and this is just, I'm, jo- I'm Johnny Simple. The thing that stood out to me last week uh, that really hit me hard, the most, more than anything else, was Greg's sermon was taught Friendship at the Margins, was a simple truth that I've heard a thousand times, but I think it hit me better than ever, especially I saw Carolyn the night before, and for God just used a couple things to hit it better than ever, that it said that Jesus was friends with sinners and tax collectors. 
He didn't say Jesus had an outreach program to sinners and tax collectors. <laughs> that, that hit me. He didn't say Jesus donated to a cause that went, no. He said that Jesus was actually their friends. And I, I personally, I go, man, I had, a, there was, there's been times in my life where I've had a lot of friends that I would say are the outcasts and the marginalized. And lately, I mean, kind of, but not as, not as much. And that was, I, I, there's repentance in my heart on that. The last, I mean, it, it was just so beautiful. And so what we're, we want to do increasingly is to create opportunities for us to all participate in that, right? I've been, I've said this before, but I've been really bad. I, me and Julie are the same. We say, this needs to be done. Let's go do it. And everyone's like, what are they doing? You know, and Greg comes along and goes, you need to tell them what to do exactly, John. I'm like, well, I mean, let's just go do it. Right, Miss Julie? That's why I thank, I thank God for a Greg that says, slow down for a second. We need a sign-up sheet. Oh, gosh, sign-up sheets. For people like me, I hate <laughs> But there's, but I've found out that many of you like sign-up sheets. <laughs> you actually want to know what you're doing before we go, right? I'm just like, I don't know. There's some people that need help. Let's go, you know, which is poor leadership on my part, and Greg's helped me to see that. Like, that, that, that's some area of weakness for myself that I need to learn. That's good. That's all good. I love it. But we want to create opportunities so that we can have friendship with the people that are on the margins, right? And so next slide. And so today, now that we're talking about engaging with people who are on the margins, engaging with people who Jesus says uh, who he's come to bring the good news to, isn't it crazy that he didn't say he came to, like, if we're going to start a kingdom, we're starting with the most rich and powerful people, right? I mean, let's, duh. But that he came to do this opposite way that was so, why would you do that? <laughs> like Brandon said, blue collar people, fishermen, like right, really? You're going you're gonna, to tax collectors who, they had some money, but they, uh, they cheated their way into that money. <laughs> they deceived people, right? Into, the, into, the, into their money. It's just wild that he would choose those. But as we begin to do that, one of the disciplines that we've been talking about on Wednesday nights is the discipline of proclamation. Um, and I'm going to use the word proclamation, though in many of your Bibles, you'll probably, it could say preaching, depending on whatever your translation is. The reason I don't use the word preaching is not that it's wrong, is that this is a lot of the time the image that we get conjured up in our mind when someone says preaching. And you know, the language changes, right? Years and years ago, if I said, man, that's cool, they'd be like, what you, this isn't cold, what are you talking about? But it's become something else. And I feel like in our culture and society now, preaching has a negative connotation. Like, how, stop preaching at me, right? That's language, right? I can't believe, Lur no, Larissa wouldn't do it. Ryan, I'll just play off. Ryan's preaching. He's just preaching at me, which means you just won't, you're incessantly going after and you're saying something. Just be quiet. Stop preaching at me, you know? So I want to use the term proclamation for that reason, okay? Um, okay, go to the next slide, please. I think that many of us in this room, maybe just about all of us, would probably agree that the message of Jesus and his kingdom being brought near needs to be shared. I think everyone. But I think oftentimes we end up like this lady because we don't know what the heck to do. <laughs> we've, been, we've had, maybe some people have had evangelistic classes or different things that we've done. We go, I, I just I can't do this. It's so awkward. 
like I, I, I remember myself like going into, we remember that, did you do that evangelistic class that we did? It was terrible, it was the worst thing. I hated it. I'm, like we, we did this class at a church that we had and we would, I don't think we did it for a few weeks and then we went out to like Walmart and they had like, it was just cringy. We had like million, fake million dollar bills and we'd say something and hand them this and I don't remember what the catch, it was, I mean, I would have been ticked if I thought someone was handing me real money and you're trying to get me to follow your religion, right? Like, I don't know. We had circles that were round, and it said round to it so that we could say, many people say they want to follow Jesus. They will when they get around to it. Here's your round to it. Like, I could never do it. I just stood there and watched other people do it, and I'm like, and like as they would talk, I would like back up, right? That's, uh, see, I thank God for a Justin, because Justin was there. And he was willing, even though I don't know if he loved it either, to do it. And I'll just be like, mm, you can do it, Jay, because, bro, I just, I can't handle this. Next slide. But I think that that's kind of the idea that we hear sometimes when we hear. We either, we have that idea or we say proclamation is for the preacher, right? It's, it's, it's for whomever's standing in front of the pulpit, and this is the, this is the proclamation, this is the person who preaches. But imagine the body of Christ living in a discipline of proclamation, in which we'll talk about, to where everyone begins to go, okay, maybe it's not as weird <laughs> as, as I thought. Maybe it's not even potentially as uncomfortable, though it's not about being comfortable, but maybe it's not as uncomfortable, because maybe it's not as cringy. Because I think that this is kind of the idea, right? Like we, see, we think of like the street preacher, and you go out, and I've done this plenty of times. Uh because I just really wanted to see Jesus' message, and I didn't know what else to do. And I don't think, though these guys are bad, I respect people that are willing to go for it, like try something <laughs> to be able, because they're, like, they're, they're burning for this. But as we go through this today, a few passages that we're going to look at, I think that we'll see a tie-in between what we've been doing all this last several weeks and what proclamation may look like. Okay, Next slide. I love this image. On the flip side, though, we talked about this on Wednesday, we can go so far to this one side um, of St. Francis of Assisi said, which I, lo- I like St. Francis. I love reading him. He has some beautiful things. But he says, um, at all times, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. And so while this has to be done, has to be done as the body, as the Bible, body, Bible as the body. We also have to, I mean, when we look at what proclamation means and we see how what's followed up by it, it also means we do have to open up our mouth and share why the hope that we have, why we have. It's not one or the other. And that's what we do this. That's what we do so many times. It's like one thing, I'm, I'm going to go te- talk, 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 and come at you, or I'm going to go serve, serve, serve. It ha- we have to bring these two things together to where we lay down our lives for people, man. And as we do it, we're going to have opportunities to proclaim the gospel and word and action and bring that together. Exciting, right? Okay, next slide, please. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, which I've been in a couple times. And what I want to do is I want to bring up this time that I read a couple weeks ago that Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, begins to make a proclamation. This is, again, after Jesus is tempted. 
there's also another person, John the Baptist, this weird guy in camel's hair and a leather belt, making this proclamation about the kingdom of God coming near. And then in Matthew 4, verse 12, you'll see that Jesus actually withdraws to Galilee because he hears John is arrested. It affects Jesus. You know what? Jesus had emotions. <laughs> he was a real person, right? Like us. Then it goes on to say that he made his home near Capernaum. <clears throat> we read through uh, Isaiah with this next kind of passage, that, uh, that snippet of a passage. And then in verse 17 says, from that time Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The word proclaim, it means to herald a message. That's, that, this is what it is. And when we see things kingdom-wise, what we recognize is that as Paul would call us ambassadors, representatives of Christ's kingdom, that what we get to do if we want to participate with Jesus and his disciples and those who have done this is to herald a message that God's kingdom and his rule has come near, y'all. And that, as I'll get to it later, but, and that actually affects our daily lives. That affects it. People that are broken, that need, uh, Julie, you talk about this, you know, someone who's trying to find a place to stay because they ain't got any money. Uh, I'm thinking of a specific thing. I just don't need to say it. I'll just, okay, they're struggling, and they, they're trying to find a place to sleep. They have children, and you go, hey, Jesus is king, and you just, do you want to follow Jesus now? They're like, what are you talking about? I, I, that's not, what would you be thinking if you were in that situation? You'd be thinking, I need help for this right now, <laughs> right? And as you do that, and we'll talk, as you build relationship, there's opportunity for the proclamation that they see because people see that in action, right? So repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's what Jesus, this is Jesus' message here. And what does he do right after that? He starts calling disciples. No doubt he calls 12 disciples because the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Jacob's sons. Like, Jesus, what we're seeing here through Matthew in the beginning and through the whole book or Luke or whatever, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in particular, we see Jesus becoming king, God becoming king. And he's recognizing here that as Israel had 12 tribes, now he has 12, he has 12 disciples. But he also recognizes that in the kingdom, there have to be people that are going to participate in the kingdom, <laughs> And again, I just like to look at the types of people that he brings in. People who are rash, like Peter. It makes me feel much better whenever I make stupid decisions that I do kind of regularly. But what happens after he calls those disciples? The proclamation says in verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom in curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. We see it's interesting that Jesus, so it says, first of all, Jesus went and he taught in their synagogues. Jesus wasn't preaching from a pulpit disconnected from people. 
Jesus went among the people, and if you've ever been uh, to a synagogue, I don't know if anyone has, they're usually about this size. Oh, they're a little smaller than this, but about this many people, maybe a little bit less. And it's shaped like a horseshoe, like the seats are. So that's one of the reasons we're facing, because they actually faced each other so they could have conversation. It wasn't just listen to the preacher and blah, blah, blah. And so Jesus, one of the things he did, he began to go into these synagogues in these towns, 50 people or so. He begins to teach as as he's teaching, which is why I think teaching and proclamation are tied together, Greg. We have that conversation, but uh, he begins to proclaim this message of the kingdom. But then he begins to cure. He begins to demonstrate that the kingdom actually matters today, right? It's not just words that he's saying, though they're powerful words. He's going to the people who are broken that need to hear because Jesus is becoming king. It matters. Look at the people that he were go- was going to. He came to sick people, those afflicted by various diseases, demoniacs. Anybody interested in going around demon-possessed people? Those are the time, I mean, like, it still happens. They, I mean, there is still people who have demons. The de- demons didn't go, well, I guess I lost. See ya. Epileptics, paralytics, like, when we see this, this is often, again, those people that we push to the margins that we don't want to be reminded, oh, man, there's, there's issues, there's brokenness in the world because we know that we, weren't, we were made for healing, that we were made for reconciliation, right? But it's precisely these people Jesus goes to, and when he proclaims the message, he's right in the thick of it with them. He doesn't come up and try to proclaim a message disconnected from relationship and being with the people. He doesn't do it. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 10 real quick. And I want to look at what he does with his disciples because it's really similar. Next slide. So as he's called these 12 disciples, as he has begun to model for them what it means that God's kingdom's breaking through, that God actually cares for the broken. Uh, It says in, I'll just start in verse one real quick. Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. The reality that Jesus is king means that he has authority and he had authority to give and it was powerful. He gives, like, it's not just like, well, I guess Jesus is king. Like, no, (laughs) there is authority that comes with being a king, with being a ruler. Jesus now has all power and all authority is what the scriptures say. And so that actually means something for disciples and followers of Jesus, I believe. It lists the disciples, and then it says on verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles. Enter no town of the Samaritans. They would do that. But at the moment, Jesus had a specific mission for them. But rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. What's the good news? The kingdom of heaven has come near. God's rule is returning. What does he tell them to do right with, right with that passage? Cure the sick. Raise the dead. That's a tall order. Seems like it. <laughs> Cleanse the lepers. I mean, how many of us go, oh, Jesus, really? Come on. <laughs> Cast out demons. 
That's where I draw the line. I'm not messing around with that stuff. It creeps me out, Jesus. You received without payment, give without payment. Uh, he goes on to tell them, at least during this mission, to take no gold, silver, all, all these things. But then he goes on to say, whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. See, there's a lot of things that we can see here. We can see that Jesus wanted his disciples as they went into towns to not only say God's kingdom has come near, just like him, but to show them. Show them and demonstrate that it matters. Not only does he tell them to show them and demonstrate that it matters that God's kingdom has come near. I mean, think of the, think of the cost this required the disciples to go around from town to town and do this. Like, <laughs> they had things to do, Right? They were like us. But then he goes on to say, stay with the people who are found worthy. And this is where I struggle sometimes with things like the street evangelistic approach because oftentimes it's easier to carve out an hour or two to do this, but to actually let people into our lives, that is way hard. Like, it's easier to, let's do this program thing, but then whenever we leave, we don't have to deal with it. And we don't have to deal with their messes. We don't have to deal with the problems. I'm sure Carolyn and Julie's got plenty of problems and messes and fires that have to be put out. But Jesus says, don't go from house to house. Stay there. Be with them. Be in their lives. I think the proclamation of the gospel becomes so weird because we've tried to do it without relationship. We've tried to do it without genuine friendships. We've tried to do it without staying with people, being with people. We've tried to do it without taking care of their needs. And when we do that, it's awkward. It doesn't, it doesn't mesh. But as we're taking care of needs, as we're doing and we're showing signs that God's kingdom is here and that it matters, as we begin to share this with people, they go, wow, I think there's something to this. Next slide. I like that picture. So what does that mean for me? I, just, I don't know. I just, picked, I just typed Google person, and, uh, there was a bunch, and I thought this was a nice-looking person. Why are you making me a face like that, babe? My wife thinks I'm weird, and she's probably pretty accurate. But I just wanted to end today with us just thinking like through like what, is this, what does it practically mean? What does this practically mean? How do I do that? Like how do I proclaim the gospel? First thing I want to say is that we have to be intentional about being in the lives of people. Particularly as Jesus comes and he brings the message of the kingdoms, he's in the lives of the marginalized. Like we have to, as Greg said, we have to, we've got to become friends with people. And I say intentional is because it just doesn't just happen. Like, okay, great. The reason that we keep building on things is so that we can hear them, hear them, hear them, and go, okay, because it's challenging. Like, it's, it's easy to nod our heads on Sunday morning and go, yeah, we should do that. And then just, man, totally forget. Like, and so that's why we're trying to build intentional space. But you don't have to have our permission. <laughs> if, any, 
a group of people want to go, let's get in, let's get intentional about going somewhere and let's just see what God will do as we become friends with people. I've, so, I've told so many stories. There's so many stories of that that I could tell of going and becoming friends with people and them going, there's something, there's something about you or we're, oh, I'm, I'm openly spiritual, I guess is what I would say. Like, I, like that's just it. Like, I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm not going to beat somebody on the, over the head with the Bible. So we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about going. We also have to be uh, uh, willing to open up our hearts to relationships. That's hard. That's hard. Because oftentimes, you know, <laughs> the people that Jesus was going to, they were a needy people. The, the sick, like, why were they going? Because they needed something, right? And I think oftentimes that is challenging for us because, God, that's the last thing I need in my life is more needy people. <laughs> I already got three needy kids going on right now. <laughs> and let's just be real. Jeez. But I think that as we make ourselves, we make intentional space, place to begin to, to do that, and we begin to open up our lives relationally, I think if we truly believe that Jesus' king matters, it will flow out of us naturally. Now, we have to, I mean, it can't, we can stop it up. But for someone who is struggling, you know, to pay their bills and they're working, and goodness gracious, I mean, have you guys seen the cost of, free, of groceries? Excuse me, <laughs> of groceries? I get it. You know, Brandon's talking about those things. I'm like, 40,000 a year, how could you live off of that? Like, if you have kids and a family, like, that's, that's, that's tough. And you find out that someone, you know, your people are in those situations, and you're friends with, and you become friends with them, and you say, hey, listen, you know, maybe this sounds strange, but you know I follow Jesus, you know? Like, I believe, honestly, that he can help bring healing to the situation and I'm willing to help because he's in me because <laughs> uh, I've surrendered to King Jesus and there are little areas like that that we can begin over as time goes on to begin to release this proclamation of the gospel it's huge it's honestly cosmic but I don't have to sit down with someone the first time I meet them and go Jesus is king and he's king of the universe and blah blah, blah. like people are gonna be like what are you talking about right but if you actually are in people's lives, then time, I don't, I don't have a formula. I don't. I used to teach a formula. This is how you preach the gospel. This is how you, I don't have a formula for it. But I believe if we live it and we're open to sharing, to talking about Jesus and what he's done in our lives and what he can do in their lives, there will be increasing conversations, increasing conversations about it. Imagine if we all just begin to be intentional about this, y'all. I, I just, I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities. And I want to encourage us, though, that as we do, that we do ask the Spirit to teach us how to release this proclamation. Because we live in a society where people are very, uh, I think, walled up. And I, I think they've been over the course of history time. But there, there's times where people are very skeptical right? You have a thousand ads thrown our way, a thousand this all the time. Like, is this real, huh? What's going on here? I think people have to see that it's authentic and we super actually care about people and it brings openness. The people that I've affected in my life, 
that have been the most, that have sustained following the Lord the longest are people I've been in deep relationship with. Hands down, there's no doubt about it. Not that there aren't the Ethiopian eunuch moments that God might have. You do something and boom, it just changes someone's trajectory of their life after one conversation. It can happen. But as we see here through this, Jesus had, was among the people. He told his disciples to be among the people. Paul was among the people. He called the Corinthians, I was a father among you. <laughs> Who are these super apostles? Like, I'm a father. I'm pouring my heart out here, you know? So I'm inviting us into that. Um, Lord, I first want to say, even though I've been following you for a number of years, sometimes I still struggle with the best way to proclaim your kingdom. <laughs> I still struggle with what words to say. Often, Father, there are times whenever I feel your spirit stirring me and I do nothing because I don't, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not really sure or I allow fear to kind of stop me from this. Father, I pray that every one of us would have a continued, as I prayed earlier, deep revelation of the rulership of Jesus, of you, King Jesus. And that, Lord, every one of us would, with all of our hearts, trust in your rulership and surrender completely to you. And that, Father, that we would go to the places that you want us to go, even if it makes us uncomfortable even if we aren't sure what to do, even if we're scared to death. I just ask that you would give us your love for people, God. Your love that breaks down walls that we've put in our hearts. Your love, God, that, that, that breaks down that, oh, I don't want to be around that, that person there. It's unclean. It's not what I'm used to. And Lord, I pray that we would just, you just help us to do this as a lifestyle. Not as a program, not as something cool, not as a sermon series, but Lord, as a lifestyle, as we open up. Teach us how to herald your message that your kingdom has been brought near to us. And that means that you're still in the business of healing, of setting free, of bringing reconciliation to broken relationships of encouraging those who are just distraught, of bringing hope into hopeless situations. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom with, that is full of hope. In Jesus' name, amen.